going to talk about missions. Kind of from two different uh two different angles. One one being the uh the biblical I guess idea. And then we're going to talk kind of practically about how that has come to flesh out here at the ring. Um you're in Psalm 67. Let me let me show you Acts chapter one verse verses seven and eight. They had uh, asked Jesus, um, you know, when the time was that he was going to restore Israel, and uh, Jesus said, um, "It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem." And in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And um, that that's kind of become, uh, you know, one of the the big um, ideas that you hear a lot in church is the uh, geographic progression of what he's saying. Um, that there's Jerusalem is where they actually were, and then Judea and Samaria were the outlying areas. And then uh, to the ends of the earth would be to keep going, as as if to say that the that the gospel um, is going to basically it's going it's going to start, you know, here, and you're going to be my witnesses here where you live, and then you're going to be, my, and then like out from there, and that's just going to keep on going. And um, what actually happens is when you when you look at the rest of the New Testament, basically um, the whole rest of the New Testament shows an example of like what Jesus was talking about, that um, right then and there. Um, he tells them this, and they probably didn't really understand it. And next thing you know, the Holy Spirit comes, and they uh, everybody starts praising God in tongues. And then there are everybody, all the, everybody had come from this, from all over the place to Jerusalem for the Holy Festival, and they're like, "Hey, that guy's praising God, but it's in like my language, and I know based on looking at him that he probably shouldn't speak my language." And and so um, what happens is that there's this connection, and the, and so they're empowered by the Spirit, and they're worshiping in these other languages, and. And so the gospel begins to spread to all these different languages that are there. All the, the surrounding areas had come here, and then they're taking their, the gospel back to where they came from. And so we see Acts 1-8 like lived out in the New Testament. It goes from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. It just spreads uh, on, on the map, literally, if you look at it. And then, um, then it just keeps going past that. And the most tangible example we have is Paul, who would they would travel to different places and, and start churches as God would lead him and, and build up these leaders and train these elders to take over the church. And when God told him to move on, and, and obviously when the leadership was ready, he would roll out, move to another church. And um, so the, the ends of the earth, we really see that when you get to Revelation, you see like every, like that's what's going to happen in heaven. And so what Jesus says literally happens as we see in the new testament and the truth is you and i um, are here today because acts 1 8 really has happened so there's that kind of that church history element there's also kind of the the element of of the call of of the church universal that we kind of we have that same uh same pattern that happens you know like we prayed about and we sang about, God has called us as the ring to the city of Baton Rouge, but our ministry is not isolated to here. It it goes beyond there. Um, we have people from the ring who are ministering in different parts of our state, 
and different parts of our country. And then all the way, like last summer, we had people on six continents. Um, and so there's, there's something that happens from a kind of a church history angle when we look at it. But there's also um, like some principles that we see at work here that God does not call us just to isolate ourselves here, that we are, are always sending. There's always that expansion of ministry there's also a very, you know, an individual element to it as well um, that I know that as a disciple of Christ um, who lives in Baton Rouge, that, that I have a ministry in this city day in and day out. That's my Jerusalem. It's your Jerusalem. It's, it's what God has called you to as we go to work and, and some of the things we prayed about tonight. Um, but then there are times when that ministry goes goes outward from there. And whether that means going to Mexico or going somewhere in the other side of the world, or it means going to, you know, Lake Charles because they need ministry. Um, whatever that means, there's, there's that progressive, you know, geographically progressive nature as well to um, our individual walk with God. Um, so Acts 1-8, like it kind of fits into our lives in several different ways. Whether we're talking about big picture, we're talking about our church specifically, um, or we're talking about our lives, um, there is there is that progression, and so that's a part of what we're called to. It's a part of what uh, when we talk about missions, that's a part of our understanding. Is that as a church, we're called to Baton Rouge and beyond. As an individual, I'm called to the relationships that God gives me in Baton Rouge and beyond. Um, Psalm 67 gives us uh, some content. It gives us some help to understand what the mission of the mission is. And if you've ever read John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad, um, well, first of all, if you want a good book on missions, it's about as good as it gets. He uses Psalm 67, brings out some significant points, and rather than uh, conjure up my own, I'm just going to borrow his, and he said it was okay um, on his website. Not, I don't know him personally. I, like, I was next to him at a conference, so I guess, you know, but whatever. Um, Psalm 67, let's read it. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. There's the word selah, which we really don't know what it means. It could be a musical term. could mean a pause for reflection. It could mean a number of things. Um, so when you see that word, it's there, but we don't know why. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. Selah. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. All right. 
Piper brings out four purposes of God. And this is not just from this one psalm. This is, these, you can find this all over Scripture. It's just kind of all neatly packaged in this one psalm. Um, four purposes of God on, on the earth. Uh, the first one, one and two, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. The first purpose he points out is that, is that God wants to be known. He wants to be known everywhere. This is a, a global idea for God. He wants everybody everywhere to know him. And there are some things about him uh, in this psalm. It talks about him being gracious. talks about um, um, salvation. talks about him ruling um, justly and him being God of justice, um, guiding the nations of the earth, um, that he is the one that's, that's holding everything together, that he sovereignly and powerfully oversees everything that happens, even the messed up stuff, even the stuff we don't understand, um, that, that he wants everybody to know him and to know that about him. He's gracious, but he's also just. He is also sovereign. To be known is the first purpose that Piper points out. The second one um, is, uh, look at 3 and 5. They both say the same thing. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. He wants to be praised. He wants to be glorified. He wants people to tell him, you, you are awesome. You are it. There's no one like our God. He wants to be praised. When we know him, we praise him. They, they completely go together. You can't know him without responding to him in praise. He wants to be known. He wants to be praised. Um, verse 4, he wants to be enjoyed. I like this one. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. It always bothers me when, when people act like their relationship with God is this big, like, oppressive, like, force, you know, like God's this taskmaster. Just let the nations be glad. Let there be, let there be joy, you know. The, a gathering of the saints should be the most joyful thing happening in our city. This should be one of the most joy-filled places in Baton Rouge right now. God wants to be in, enjoyed and loved. To be known, praised, enjoyed. And the last one, verse 7, God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. He wants to be feared. Awesome. <laughs> um, doesn't mean fear like, you know, Cape Fear. Um, means fear as in respected, for there to be a, a reverence for there to be this incredible just respect for the holiness and the otherness and the, and the power and the, the awesomeness of God. He wants all those things to be happening at the same time. This is a prayer that takes all these things about God that we find in all these other places in scriptures and takes all these, um, well, like, like Piper says it like this, he, he, he takes all these promises and makes, turns them into prayers which is what we should do with promises. I thought that was kind of cool. Turns us into a prayer. 
at the same time that God would be known and praised and enjoyed and feared, respected. And so that, that in, in a nutshell, is, is that's, the, that's the mission of the mission. So as that progression of Acts 1-8 is carried out in my life, that's, that's, that's the, the content, that's the substance of what my life is as um, I'm his witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So when I go to Walmart, when I go to Lake Charles, when I go to Mexico, that's, that's the substance that I take with me. That I may know and praise and enjoy and fear the Lord. And as I do that, that others will see that and, and others will see him in me and that they too will know him and praise him and enjoy him and respect him and fear him. On a, on a, a church level, um, everything that we do as a, as a church in ministry has to have that, that same biblical gospel-centered substance to it. Which is why we don't just go and just do stuff just to do stuff. We're not gonna. We're just. We're just never gonna do that. God's not called us to go on a mission with no mission. You know, to go and, and serve without any substance to it. And so people are always like, "Oh man, we need to be doing more, like more of this. Let's let's go and let's give stuff away and let's give stuff away and let's give stuff away." And my thing is like, I'm all for giving stuff away. But I don't want to just like give stuff away and then there be no substance. There's no Acts, I'm sorry, there's no Psalm 67 that's like the substance of our Acts 1-8. And then we're just giving stuff away and there's no gospel to it. There's no substance. There's no, there's no hey, like know the Lord, enjoy the Lord, praise the Lord, fear the Lord, respect him, be in awe of him. He loves you, created the universe, loves you, died so that we could be joined back together to him. So without the gospel, without that as the substance, without love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, there's, there's no power. So we're not going to go give gum away. We're just not. So anything we do as a church that is in any way considered like to being on mission, there's got to be that redemptive element to it. So rather, rather than being like, oh, man, we got a budget, let's go, let's go buy gum and go give it away. Well, okay, well, how, does, how is the gospel, how is Psalm 67 going to fill up us giving away gum? Let's, let's figure that out first. Not saying it's not possible. But we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna do Acts one eight without Psalm sixty seven. Does that make sense? I, I hope that it does. Maybe I'm saying it all wrong or whatever. And so it's important for us to understand that when we talk about missions or being missional and how we're all being missionaries as we go in into the world every day, um, 
like this is a, a crucial part of of it. Jesus didn't send his disciples out with no mission for their mission. So this is this is why. This is the why of missions. Whether we're talking about Mexico or we're talking about you going to work tomorrow or anything in between, this is why. This is the goal. This is the mission of the mission that God will be known and enjoyed and praised and respected. And so there it is. Now, that in and of itself, like we could just kind of sit on that a little bit. I want to make sure that we that we're all all understanding some stuff. Like when you when you have an idea and you want to go and and you have this ministry idea in the city of Baton Rouge and you want to start maybe a new ministry team that 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 does ministry to this group of people or, or in this way or with this stuff in mind, this is going to be a part of of the conversation. I'm all for like let's let's do ministry to the homeless. But let's make sure that we're really doing ministry, you know? Let's make sure that the gospel is, is a part of that. You want to do ministry on campus at LSU? Awesome. Let's let's make sure there's substance to it. Because otherwise we're we're kidding ourselves, you know. And it's important to me that everybody at the ring understands that philosophy of missions or whatever whatever you want to call it, that that's, that's the approach that we're always going to take as a church. It's important for me that I say that so that if I forget that at some point or if you bring me an idea and, and I start pursuing logistics and I haven't prayed about it and I haven't figured out how the gospel you know is a part of it, we don't have that conversation. You call timeout. You say, oh, remember that time in March when you said this? Go listen to the podcast. You said this. <laughs> and as God continues to form our, our church and how we, how we view the way we fit in in our city and the way we fit into what God is doing here, it's important that we all understand that. Now, how that plays out practically, um, I, w- I want to talk about Mexico. And... Um, some of you, this is going to apply directly because in, this time next week, some of you will be in Mexico. And um, so, like, you'll kind of perk up. And you'll be like, oh, this is for me. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm not going to Mexico, so what does it have to do with me? Um, well, viewing the Mexico mission trip not as um, – okay, viewing the Mexico mission trip as something that our church is producing is really important. That whether you go or not, it doesn't really matter. This is a part of what it means to be a part of the Ring Community Church. That this is something that God has formed in our church. So whether you will be on a van next weekend or not, it doesn't matter. Um, you need to know how God has shaped um, our approach to ministry that we do outside the United States. This is something that you are a part of. So please don't check out. But I, Six things, basically. Six things that that God has um, distinctly shaped in the way that our church approaches ministry outside of our borders. Some of these apply inside. Some of these do not. If you're going to Mexico, really pay attention because I want you to know what you're going to be a part of. 
If you're not going to Mexico, really pay attention because I want you to know what you're going to be a part of. Same thing? Okay. First thing. Six of them. First one. Um, This is all God's idea. Every bit of it. God initiates and we follow. Um, We didn't get to a point where we're like, man, ever like... I've read all these books, and apparently, like, like we need to be doing missions, so it's trendy, and let's go, whatever. Now, several years ago, um, that stirring was there, and the desire to get outside of the United States and to invest um, just began to pray, and the elders began to pray, and we began to think about, um, God, we, we want you to give us a place, but we don't want to go, like, a different place every year and hop all around, you and you go and you do some stuff and you feel better about yourself and then you leave and you never go back. We want we want a place where we can invest ourselves completely in the people there. So we began to pray. And you go to our website and you can read the whole story. One thing led to another. And that's basically, that's how we wound up in Monclova. God initiated it and he had all these little, all these little planks that he laid down. One by one by one by one by one that got us to where we are today. That's really shaped the way that our church looks at missions people come to me all the time and they're like man when are we going to add to mexico we got the mexico thing and it's rolling it's awesome we're going to add somewhere else we're going to go try to get like on every continent we're going to try to do this 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 and i'm like look i would love to be on every continent i would love to do have some like crazy risky like completely insane ministry you know and all these places but truth is God gave us Monclova. God gave us the people there. He has connected us, and we are there, and he will initiate whatever is next for us. And that's kind of how we do everything as a church. We don't necessarily sit back and wait for him to do everything, but we do wait for him to take the lead, and we come in right behind him. Second thing, um, I'm not sure where I heard this, and if you are here tonight and you coined this, then come tell me. I will give you absolute credit for it. Um, we talk about a lot uh, about the a bow and arrow approach to ministry, uh, uh, to missions. How there are there are the people who are the arrow, that that physically like fly through the air, so to speak, and and, and hit the target. Okay, that'd be all the people who are going to Mexico next week. They're the arrow, but the, an arrow doesn't get anywhere without the bow. An arrow does not hit the target without the bow. And so those of you who are unable to go, you are the sending force. Whether that's prayer, whether that's money, um, whether that's helping us load, whether that is just being encouraging, um, like wh- whatever that might involve, you guys are the, are the sending force. That's why we try to communicate stuff that everybody doesn't really care about, you know. Like we'll communicate when we're loading up, when we're leaving, when we're getting back, uh, how much the trip costs. Um, all this kind of stuff, trying to give you as many ways as you can be a part of it. We're going to have a blog. It's going to have what all the sites are doing and how you can pray and all this stuff. And it might seem like a whole lot of communication, a whole lot of work that maybe, you know, there's not a lot of fruit from it necessarily, like sometimes. But the thing is, like, I want everybody to see the role that they play as the bow or as the arrow. Both work together. Both are absolutely necessary in order to hit the target. And that's really important for us to understand. I want everybody who's going to be here next Sunday night to feel just as much a part of the Mexico mission trip as the people who are actually there. 
And that's weird because we tend to we tend to kind of gravitate toward that consumer idea of like, well, I wasn't able to go, I couldn't get off of work, I couldn't blah blah blah, so I guess I'm missing out. Like, you're not missing out. You just play a different role. So embrace the role that you play. It's God's idea. Bow and arrow. The third one. This is this is really big. It's a complete partnership. There's this really, really bad, terrible American attitude about missions that has got to be crushed and destroyed and annihilated forever. All right? Um, This idea of, like, we're Americans. We know how to do everything. Y'all are not. Y'all do everything the hard way and the long way. So we're going to come in and humor you and appease you, and we're going to pat you on the head and say it's real cute you're trying to do it this way, but we're, we'll, we'll handle it from here. We're going to breeze into town and bring all our money and our vans and our video cameras and all this kind of stuff. We're going to breeze in, and we're going to like have this big crazy week. We're going to do all this stuff, and we're going to get back on the vans. We're going to go back to the United States, and uh, we're going to be like, man, they are so lucky we came. Well, that's not the way that we do it. And it's not the way we're ever going to do it. We, next week, we will come alongside four churches in Monclova to help them minister in their community in whatever way they want us to. They minister now. They will minister after us. Um, We are simply just a catalyst. And it's taken me a while to understand that, that like when we roll into a town, it's sort of like, it's like an excuse almost to do something. It's like a reason, you know, like let's have some services, you know, our friends from the U.S. are coming, you know, let's do a a, a vacation Bible school, you know, like they're, they're here. And they get real amped up about it. And they're like, yes, yes, yes. And the thing is, we go into to Mexico. This is hilarious. We go into Mexico and they're like, like, okay, we want a prayer walk. And we want to go door to door and invite everybody in La Madrid to come to the, to the services. We're like, awesome, let's go. And like, oh, there's just one problem. Uh, we don't speak Spanish. So we're going to need you to get people from your church to come and do all the talking. And we'll just kind of stand there. We'll, we'll tell them hello and ask them what their name is and how old they are. And, uh, you know, that we like their house and, you know, whatever. And uh, we'll watch that, like, Spanish one love song thing. It's all over YouTube. Uh, We'll watch that, and we'll have, like, basic conversation. Your church members are going to be the ones they need to ask, like, hey, can we pray for you? What's going on in your life we can pray for you about? Are you a Christian? And so what happens is you get these church members who maybe are not real, like, confident, but, like, like our friends from America came. Like, we have to go. We have to be confident. And so first couple of houses, by the fifth house, man, they're just rolling. They're, they're, they're preaching. They're leading people to Christ. I was with this girl one time, and, like, I even, wouldn't even know it. She'd just talk, 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 back and forth, back and forth. She'd pray, and she'd look at me, and I'd pray, and I don't even know what I'm praying for, and walked away. And apparently, like, 14 people got saved that day. I had no idea. I was not abiding in Christ at all. I had no clue at all. Um, We join them 
At no point do we say, yeah, let me tell you all how to do it. When they ask questions, we give, we give answers. We say, I don't know, maybe you could try this. Maybe you could try this. They say, how do you all do this? And we say, oh, this is how you do that, and this is how we do it, and, you know, whatever. It's, it's a complete partnership. One of the best things that we've done is, is um, brought them here. We brought them here for a week a couple summers ago. It was like a, it was like a, well, it was a mission trip for them, for their youth group. And that was maybe the first time I was like, you know what, this is completely, this is a complete partnership. It's very important that we understand that. Um, we help however we can. Yes, um, we are uh, in a position to be able to help out financially. That's a part of it. And we love the fact that we can go down there and we can say, what are your needs? And they say, this is one of our needs, but we can't afford it. And we love being able to say, not we can afford it because we're Americans. No. We love being able to say, well, can we, can we help with that? Can, we help, can our church help your church with that cost? And what's even better is whenever we're able to say, can we help with that cost? And we're also able to say, um, are, there, are there some people in your church who are looking for work that you could hire to do that work? The money we give you could actually go to them. We're able to, to pump money into their local economy. That's why we don't bring paint from over here. That's why we don't bring water. That's why we don't bring food. That's why we don't, we don't bring any of that stuff because we're able to buy it there, which is really helpful, especially in La Madrid, Cuatro Cienegas, and those little places we're able to, to, to help those little stores out and help some of those guys out who are, are looking for work, who are very much willing to work, but you know there's just not a lot of work there. We're able to help that way. We're able to help with supplies. You know, we'll buy um, we'll buy you know popsicle sticks and paper plates and all that kind of stuff to come and do the crafts for VBS. We'll let us cover that. You know, let us buy the material. Let us do that stuff. Let us help in the ways that we can because we can't show up and we we just can't communicate the way that you can. So let us help with the things we can help with, and you take care of the things you can you can, and together that partnership comes together. So we have to be aware of that. The next thing, cultural sensitivity. When we're down there, we watch our speech. We avoid the word gringo at all costs. That's not a, a, necessarily a positive term. We watch what we say. We watch, we watch our facial expressions. I know last week I talked about... Um, or at some point talked about Sean Penn when he came down for Katrina and got his like boat with his camera crew in it to go rescue people. And then like there was no room to rescue people because he had his camera crew with him because he wanted to have it documented that he was a helper, you know, and I always laugh about how Oprah never does anything kind off camera. It's always like cameras there. Um, we don't roll into Mexico and with a documentary film crew there. Hey, get some footage of us um, being kind and compassionate and generous. I used to shoot video, and then there just came a point where I was like, man, I'm standing there with the camera, and I'm like, there's just something wrong about it. It just felt wrong. Not that we don't take pictures, we don't enjoy that kind of stuff, but there was just something weird about that moment. 
where all of a sudden, like in my mind, it was like the line between ministry and project. You know, I felt like I was towing that line. So we're very, we try to be very culturally sensitive. We don't joke about certain things. Um, We don't gawk at the way that they live. We don't complain because, you know, the water's cold when you take a shower. You know, there's just, we just don't. You just don't. That's that's their world. Why would we go in and make fun of somebody's world or exploit somebody's world? We conform to their culture. Super conservative. You'll never see, okay, very rarely will you see a girl wearing shorts. Um, so do we roll in and we're like, is that the hill we're going to die on? No. There's a lot of legalism down there. Um, just, I mean, real, real bad. So do we, does that become like the big crusade for us to like win the war against legalism? No. We go down there, if they're like, yeah, playing cards, not really cool here. We put the cards away. You know? We, we make those adjustments. Um, we represent them in their community. So we're in La Madrid and walking around, and you definitely stick out like a sore thumb in La Madrid, okay? Little town surrounded by mountains. They don't see a whole lot of like uh, a whole lot of just like completely white pale faces walking around. Like you just stick out. We're not going to go act a fool and be all stupid or whatever because they know that we're from the church right there. We represent that church and that community. See, if we're gonna if we're gonna take that content, that substance of Psalm 67, and we're gonna live out Acts 1:8, and God brings us to Mexico, got to be aware that that's happening underneath the covering and the blessing of these churches that are opening up their doors to us. The next thing, number five, there's mutual service. We go in and we serve them, absolutely. But ten times that much, they serve us back. It's in little ways. They cook for us, you know. They clean up behind us. They let us eat first, always. They will not start eating until we are done. They hug us. They thank us. They stare at us. They want to talk to us like we want to talk to them. But there's service going both ways. It's not a complete statement to say we're going to serve in Mexico. Because we're going to serve and to be served. These churches there, they, they love us. Never had conversations with most of the people there. But when we get there, their arms are wide open and they're excited and they can't wait for us to get there. There's mutual service. Last thing is commandment one and commandment two are, are, are the, the governing ideas in how we relate to each other. To, lo- to love God, I mean, that is, that is what it's all about. They love God. We love God. I mean, that's, that's the unifying factor. And that's one of the things you always walk away with. You're just like, man, what is language? What, why do we even call it a barrier? I mean, it's kind of a it's it's a it's a speed bump. But we're there because we all love God, because we want 
him to be known and praised and enjoyed and feared. That's what they want. That's what we want. Loving him and then loving people. See, I think that growing up in church, we think mission trip, we think we're going to go, we're going to build a church, or we're going to go, we're going to, we're going to do this work or do these tasks. But that's really of very little importance. And that's why we prayed for a place, not that we could just go and roll in and do some stuff and leave, but a place where we could, could get to know the people, that God would have us coming for years and years and years, and we could watch these little bitty kids become uh, kind of tall kids. And because it's about people. When I was in college, I went with the BCM, and I went on the Mexico trips, and I remember, I remember exactly what would happen. As we would go, we would do the VBS, we would do the work, and at the end of the day, like, it was us sitting on one side of the room and them sitting on the other side of the room, and we didn't really care about investing anything. We kind of wanted to hang out with each other. And that's not what God has called us to at the ring, to love him and to love them, to love each other. And so that's kind of what God has shaped in us. Right now, as far as outside of our borders, it applies to Mexico. When, we begin to, when he begins to add things to that, um, it'll be, it'll be the, the same kind of ideas, the same kind of cultural sensitivity and service and approach and partnership and, and all those kind of things are, are still going to be the case. What he's done in the past four or five years in shaping our ministry together with those in Monclova, he's basically just setting the pace for what is to come. And so that's why like you all and me and all of us together, we need to know this and be on the same page about this. Look back at Psalm 67. Let me close with this. Do one and two again. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. See there, the prayer here is for God's grace and blessing and his countenance and him just to shine. And so um, we could say, man, that's really, isn't that a consumer, you know, asking God of me, be gracious, bless us, bless us, bless us. But in verse 2, we see it says that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. So everything that God has blessed us with so that we in turn would bless the nations, that we would bless Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, that wherever God takes us, the blessings he's given us in salvation, in, him, in himself, in his spirit, and reconnecting us to him, that that is all for other people, that he may be known and praised and enjoyed and respected. So that's the call, whether you're going to Mexico or whether you're going to Chili's tonight. So that's where we are. That is how we pray. That's that part of the ring that God has shaped. I don't really know how that affects you tonight. Um, 
But I want us just to pray. I guess primarily that as that we would uh, have Psalm 67 and Acts 1-8 mutually together in everything that we do. Let's pray.